Yo, everyone, welcome back to Brand New Techish. It's a very ill Michael mm. Pahane, joined by a very ill, <laughs> equally unhealthy Avajasi. <laughs> it's cold and flu season. Yep, yep, but we love our fans and our audience, so we're going to stick by our schedule. We're still going. Keep going, yeah. If you can bear. Shout out Cold Virus. Shout still out doing cold your virus. thing in 2019. <laughs> the, third the Cold Virus. <laughs> All right, cool. First topic I want to talk about is um, sort of a really interesting article where apparently Microsoft has experimented with a four-day work week in its Japan office, and apparently productivity shot up by at least 40%. Um, I don't know how they're measuring productivity. Uh, Maybe it means money. I don't know. But it's uh, what do you think that indicates to you? You think that's that's the future of work, or like what's going on with that? So this, to me, is another string to the bow of Satya Nadella. I Mm. feel like he's done incredible things since he joined Microsoft. I'm hearing about Microsoft hardware, like people are excited about the Surface. Nokia's got a new phone people are talking about that they want to buy. I think it's really cool. There's just something about him that makes me feel like, based on all these things, he's one of the most exciting tech CEOs out there. And so I'm not surprised that he is even innovating in terms of culture and experimenting with the four-day work week. It's not a new concept people who research productivity have for a while been suggesting this. I can't remember now. Do you remember the name of the other company? It was a tech company so that actually, had a four-day work week. It was, um, do you remember Treehouse? Treehouse.com, that's I think. That's it. They did, a yeah. four, they did a four-day work week, but actually had to revert back. I think essentially, I saw an interview with the CEO, Ryan Carson, who was saying how like, um, he there was a lot of competition and they got to the point where they were like, you know what? we can't afford to do this Uh-oh. anymore shit just got real we were like we can't afford to do this anymore as in like yeah we've got a, it's like everyone has to work hard and everybody not not work hard but everybody has to kind of just like put in all the available hours because otherwise we're not going to exist as a company anymore mm. now whether that indicates that maybe the four-day work week is really great where your company has a giant moat and like you know you've got some defensibility around your product whether it means that it doesn't necessarily translate that when you're in a you know a more fragile situation as a company when you're a startup i don't know what do you think I definitely think it just depends on like what you're optimizing for. Like it just depends how you're going to measure the success of that. You know, I think um, if you look at remote working Mm -hmm. or like fully flexible teams, there's very little data to say they're not like dissimilar from a a four day working week, full time in the office culture. Right. Because what you're basically saying is, I'm going to assume that if I give you like a specific window of time in which to be productive, you're going to earn like the freedom of like one extra day because you're going to find a way to get everything you need to get done for this week done in those four days. Right. That level of trust and autonomy that exists is very similar to what happens in the fully remote team because Mm. no one's watching you do your work, but people are saying, I trust you to get what you need to get done, done. And then people do, right? There could be people who are fully remote, fully flexible remote, who might be doing like three ridiculously long days, like, and then mm. like two days, like way more chilled. Do you see what I mean? I do get what you're saying. Um, I would love to know actually, like what is the cause of that extra productivity? Is it just essentially that you just cut, get rid of the fraff and that eventually, essentially like there's so many hours in our work week where we're not doing anything that's productive whatsoever. And then like, once you have that time restriction 
of just four days, you just cut all the fat out? Is, is, that, is, that, is that the simple reason, essentially, why the productivity has gone up? Or do you think there's something else under the hood? I think you're right. I think there are a lot of people going into work Monday to Friday, 9am to 7pm or whatever the hours are, who are spending a lot of time not doing anything. Real talk. I, I was that person. Listening I was to Tekish. that person. <laughs> While you're in, while in the office, listening to Tekish. Listening to Tekish, jumping in on the hashtags, writing a tweet. But, you know, we are all different people. Some are productive in the morning, some are productive in the afternoon. Some of us, we need to like get a workout in before we really start vibing, like whatever it is. This idea that we all work our best in the same environment is completely outdated, also completely misproven. Um, yeah, it would be really interesting to to dive a bit deeper into this, but I feel like most of your assumptions are going to be correct. Yeah, and I, think, I, think, at home. I think nine to five is completely arbitrary. It was completely, you know, you know, invented a hundred plus years ago um, during in the that Dudley Parton song. Hey, yeah, basically, working nine two five nine during the Industrial Revolution. She's not that old, man. Put some respect on Dolly Parton during the Industrial Revolution, and you know, and we've just carried forth, you know, on autopilot. So yeah, maybe you know, I'm lo- I'm looking forward to like new experiments in the work week structure. In fact, the how la- about this? Gone. Oh well, just before you tell me what the latest is, will we be? Are we more likely to see more fully remote teams or more people coming into the office but for fewer days and adjusted hours? I think remote work will be more widely um, accepted, primarily because actually it saves companies a lot of money, you mm. know, like, um, and because you can hire people all over, all over the globe in cheaper areas. That's one thing that people don't often say about remote work. You know, like a lot of people now are, don't want to necessarily hire within Silicon Valley or New York because, you know, engineers and, and, and experienced people are expensive, so you might, you might be like, yo, let's get somebody in Atlanta or, or London or like, you know, Eastern Europe. Let's keep it real, like where yeah. the cost base is a lot lower. So I think once, you know, with things like Zoom, once the technology gets to the point where it's like it's no different, you know, or it's as close to no being no different than being in the office, that's much more likely. I think people are much more religious about work hours and that being a sign of honor than they are about where they are, at, where they're doing that work, if that makes any sense. I hear you. I hear you. Actually last bit on this i think the labor party jeremy corbyn that was one of their their pillars in in their campaign they were actually thinking about instituting a four-hour a four-day work week so in the I'm uk down. they got my vote they got my vote <laughs> as a ceo they don't have my vote no, i'm joking now we <laughs> <laughs> everybody gets to work now no, i'm joking what'd you call seven it? days a week <laughs> <laughs> sweatshop i joke i joke so a quick backstory. So Facebook has got in trouble recently because people are saying you don't make your anybody can post political ads on Facebook and they could be complete lies. Facebook does no background check into whether the claims on on a political ad is true. Right. So that's the whole backlash that Facebook's been receiving right now. Then Twitter came forward and said, we're no longer going to accept political ads for that reason. Right. Jack so, Dorsey in the house. Jack Dorsey in the house. But anyway, so, taking a stance, taking a stand. But hold on, we'll come back to that topic. But the reason why I bring this up is because soon afterwards, in another tone deaf move from Facebook, they released a, a news app. Right. So they released this news app. I see it on the timeline. And then, um, you know, there was a few engineers that came out and were like, who are the designers that are responsible for this, like, ish, basically? Like, how can you look yourself in the mirror and like, and have produced this app, basically, right? Which is a news app. Because there's dollars in my eyes. This is what I'm saying, yeah. So then some people were like, yo, actually, it's quite offensive what you're saying because a lot of us are, like, you know, marginalized folk from marginalized communities and we've just got this job at Facebook now and now you're telling us we've got to be ashamed of our work that we're doing. So I want to point to you, yeah. Do you feel like, like, <sighs> this is the thing. 
So if you're a marginalized person, you manage to get a job at Facebook, how responsible yes. are you to like, you know, what impact you're having in the world? Or should we just say, listen, you know, you've you, you got to pay your bills, probably support people back home. You know what I mean? Like, what, how do we like juggle those two kind of competing moral questions? If that makes any sense. You're literally asking me like... Abba, solve the, the biggest, world. Go. The biggest moral dilemma of our no, time. I'm, like, I'm, I'm asking you what would you do? So like, for example... You, <laughs> Let's say, you know, you've got what your own financial responsibilities. Okay, honestly... How do, you t- how, do, how do you look at that? I personally would not feel comfortable working on Facebook news, okay? Right. That's a fact. Now, that said, Mark Zuckerberg comes knocking on my door and he's like, hey, we admit there's an issue here. We want your insight to solve it. I feel like acknowledging that there is a problem is the key right and i think the challenge in like some of these teams that we join or some of the companies that we join is that they're completely ignorant of the damage that they're causing the negative externalities that they're creating whatever i feel like interest facebook is like not that right i don't think they are that i know for a fact that facebook are investing a lot in um inclusion training across like every level of seniority from the top down across every function from engineering to design. I know from people who work in the company and people that work along the company as like consultants and stuff that they are aware of their problems. You know what I mean? Like they have self-awareness as a company, they have self-awareness, which is like a lot better than some other companies that are sipping their own Kool-Aid, et cetera. Yeah. Now, that said, I feel like this ultimately will come down to like a really personal thing and like someone with more information is like in a much better position to judge it. There could well be people working on this Facebook news app that genuinely believe this is a better way to fight the spread of misinformation and a better way to support free speech. Oh, I don't know, man. I feel like, what's the, f- I think it was a Bill Clinton quote. I can't remember. It's something along the lines. It's like, it's very hard to get- Bill Clinton now. <laughs> yeah, there we go. I know, right? I don't, I, I heard him, I heard him say the quote. I don't know if it's his quote. The, but it's the moral like- compass of modern US <laughs> politics. Allow me, allow me, allow me. Basically, it was something along the lines of, it's very hard to convince somebody of something when their paycheck relies them relies upon them not knowing that thing to be true, if that makes sense. Like, so- you're right. You probably could convince yourself working in that organization and working on that product that there are there is some good that this product is doing, and then you just focus completely on the good and ignore like any kind of uh, negative impact it has. Whether I don't know. I think you're right. It's it's a very personal thing. I think everyone has I to think make. It's difficult. I think it's difficult. But I will say this: I put a poll out on Twitter. Five thousand people replied. Ooh, look at I you. said you. I said you have to pick one. Would you rather work for a cigarette company? or Facebook, and out of 5,000 people that voted, 29%, so literally almost a third, picked a cigarette company. Now, most of the people voting were like in their 20s, 30s, and 40s, and I think that says a lot about the decline of the Facebook brand, even in the last few years. There was a time when that would not even be a question of debate. Do you know what I mean? Honestly, though, I still don't think it is. I, I mean, between those two comparisons, I think because a cigarette company is literally a merchant of death, like like unequivocally merchant of death, not even 1% positive thing about it. To me, I feel like the people that picked, 20, that picked cigarette company were just being like facetious and doing it for banner. Dude, I don't... people work at cigarette companies. Are you kidding me? What about alcohol companies? What about alcohol companies? Alcohol yeah. kills too. 
but at least you can have a good time on our call, man. At least you can have a good time. You know what I'm saying? On our call, how do you have a good time? Many smokers would fight for the fact that they enjoy smoking cigarettes. Yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. Maybe I don't. I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. I mean, I don't know. I'm just saying. I be. I let let the audience decide. Like, use hashtag tagish and let us know what you think. But I, I do think that this whole idea of like morals and money is always going to be something that we have to talk about. Probably even more so with the rise of AI. Mm. You know, we've already seen the research around autonomous vehicles. We know that autonomous vehicles don't recognize dark skin. Mm. How should one feel? as one of the few black engineers in an autonomous vehicle company, right? So should I feel like I I don't want to participate in this because the a group that I have affinity with is going to be negatively impacted by mm. the product we're building? Mm. Or do I say I need to be here so that I can reduce the negative impact of the product we're building? But what if ultimately it comes down to the power and the influence you have, right? Because mm -hmm. your perception of how much you can influence the outcome is correlated to how much influence and power you have. This episode is sponsored by Guru. Guru is reinventing knowledge sharing, providing verified information from experts on your team where you work and when you need it most. They are hiring on pocket jobs with roles in San Fran and Philadelphia. Link in the show notes. All right, cool. Yeah, so time for the Techish album review. Album number one that we're reviewing, Jesus is King. Abadesi, what did you think? <laughs> oh, my Lord. Listen Put me it. on the spot. Um, so first listen, I'm not going to lie, listen to it in one sitting as soon as I saw Twitter light up saying that it was out. And I was like, okay, some strong tracks here. I like it. I wasn't sure where he would go because Ye has surprised us in the past. He's kind of like derailed from his usual sound, his usual style, thrown a few spanners in the works, but I still have time for Ye post MAGA hat scandal. <laughs> um, initial thoughts, good. Is it good. great? I don't know. Too short as well, given yeah. how long we've been waiting. Uh, but yeah that's kind of it I'm still listening to it some standout tracks what do you think I just like the fact that he got Kenny G on there I was like yo Kenny G Kenny, Kenny G was my guy love Kenny, G. Kenny G was my guy bruv I used to love just getting, in a, getting in a bubble bath and listening to some Kenny G you can't go wrong with that <laughs> nah yeah you're right the album's too short 27 minutes that's ridiculous is the length of the album um and yeah I mean it's not his best album obviously it's probably like bottom tier of his albums bottom um, tier Ooh. oh yeah but his, his, his back catalog is strong though so bottom it tier is. Kanye album is like is still kind of top tier for most artists um and I don't know like what do you feel about his like shift to you know gospel uh, gospel and like you know super religious like like I don't know. I mean, I don't know. If it, maybe it's a personal journey. We shouldn't really speak on it. If a, if a man's saying he's, you know, he's, this is his new path, whatever, that's good for him, I guess, right? But do you have it any is, thoughts on that? It, it's interesting. I've read a lot of Twitter commentary about it, which is as good as critical analysis comes, I believe. Um, yeah. But um, I think I had a debate with a friend, and I think sometimes we have to to remember, like, the evolution of Kanye from his music including like the evolution of Kanye 
as a human being. Basically, in 2004, College Dropout comes out. That was like 15 years ago. Mm. He was a different person. We didn't know that much about him. In many ways, his his self-awareness and his state of consciousness has evolved alongside his music. Mm. And I think, you know, he has talked about his mental health struggles. He's been very open about that. That combined with being the partner of Kim Kardashian plus being in the public image. I don't know. I don't know. I think, you know, he's, in my view, an artist, a creator. He's got a lot of stuff in his life Mm. that's complicated. I don't know if that's going to get any better. And I feel like the more complicated his life has become, the less compelling his music has been. Oh, yeah. And if we continue on that angle, then... Pete Kanye is behind us, sadly. You know what I want to say, though, actually? I realised, well, his trajectory has made me realise that, actually, like, we ain't cancelling nobody. Like, I saw an interview that he did, like, on his album, like, uh, with Big Boy. And mm. um, he basically threw away a line saying, like, yo, basically, Yeezy, his trainer company, his clothing line, it was valued at $3 billion. And I was like, I swear last year we were all, like, Kanye's cancelled. Somebody's buying a whole bunch of Yeezy. And they and, and they oh, all the yeah. time are talking about he's cancelled. And I was just like, yo, like, <laughs> we couldn't cancel it for ish, bruv. He's, the, he was, he's doing better than ever. Like, a $3 billion valuation is amazing. Just on a pure business level, I go, like, give my hats off to him. Because I think, what was it, like, four or five years ago, he was literally on, like, Sway in the morning, like complaining about how no one, no fashion brand wanted to work with him and give him a chance. Yeah. The famous like houseway, like whatever, whatever. Now he's a billionaire. Like shout out to him for that. At least I, I give you credit on a business level. Sure, Kanye, fashion mogul. I'll give. No, him but what's I gonna say? But then like the um thing I wanted to say is that during the Big Boy interview, he was still saying the same old stuff about Trump. That's why I was like, so I was like, oh my God, this guy still was going on. He was just like, oh man, like, you know, they're trying to convince us to work with the Democratic Party. We're in a Democratic plantation. They think, you know, I'm I'm a a free man because I'm thinking for myself. I don't want to have to be a Democrat, whatever, whatever. And I'm like, cool, you don't have to be a Democrat, but it doesn't mean you have to support Trump. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, you're still talking that same old nonsense, Candace Owens talking points that you were doing before. Um... So it makes me really hard to kind of ride with you and, and, and even check out your projects. But I did, because obviously you're a talented motherfucker. So I, I'm, I'm mad at myself. But anyways, I digress. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I want to see Sunday service. I want to see it. I want to <laughs> go. It feels uh, good. It looks good. I'm not going to turn away the opportunity. If he brings that to London, I'm down. I'll be front uh, row. It's not my thing, man. I'm going to pass on that one. Do you know uh, what? You know I it. saw him live at Wireless when he just like spoke for half an hour. And I was just I like... That. He's not even playing songs, but you know what? I listened. I was there. I was there. <laughs> he, was, oh, he, he, he was already your pastor because you paid to hear him speak, so he might as well actually go to official <laughs> I church now. I don't remember now. what he was talking about, but yeah. Oh, Lord. Uh, complica- complicated. Honestly, though, seriously, like you have to really mess up for me to cancel you at this stage because I'm, I'm, I've am I'm been doing too much cancelling this year 2019 you know what I mean there's who been have a you lot canceled? of cancelling who, who have you cancelled who have you cancelled people God, asking me to cancel MJ people asking me to cancel R. Kelly okay fine that's alright he can go he's a pedo that's nasty but I'm just saying like there will be no black icons left <laughs> you we need to cancel most- at least like a hundred white people for every black person if we're going to keep this balanced. Otherwise, the underrepresentation <laughs> we're facing is going to be negative representation. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. You, you sound like one of them conspiracy theory people. Like, <laughs> yeah, man. Let's try to take our heroes, man. Bill Cosby, R. Kelly, Michael Jackson. Man, listen. 
Hey everybody, so very exciting news in case you've been living under a rock and you haven't heard this. On the 14th of November in central London, for the first time ever, we are doing a live show. Live show. So make sure you grab your tickets before they sell out so you can see me and Michael in the flesh talking about all the top tech stories from the year and yes, more. Yes, join us please while tickets are still available. Ciao. gonna say a uh, new week new racist algorithm uh, racist algos time, in the building <laughs> we just have to laugh you know we have to laugh because Go on. What's, what's happened now tragedom, tragic comedy uh according to cbs news uh racial bias has been found in a healthcare company algorithm so this is um upon the news that new york insurance regulators are investigating mm-hmm. the united health group um the software that this company has created to mm. advise on levels of care and, you know, next steps and guidance for patients actually creates lower levels of care for black patients than white patients. My um, so basically if you are in a hospital that's using this software and you're black, you're probably going to get less care than a white person going through the same symptoms and, that's pretty messed up. This just is another in the long, 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 long list <laughs> of artificial intelligence that's relying on flawed data to operate. Um, I don't know if you have read this book, Michael, Invisible Women. I haven't. No, what's it about? It's basically uh, it's an incredible book. If you are listening and you haven't read it, please go out and read it. But the book talks about the gender data gap. And it says how most research and most studies are conducted on samples that exclude women. And if you think about the gender gap, then you can probably think of like any other intersection of identity also having its own gap, ethnic data gap, etc. A few common examples she gives, which you might have even already heard about, are the fact that crash test dummies are made to the average male size. And what does average male even mean? Actually, she says it in the book. It's like a 70 kilogram six foot caucasian ish body shape male um but there's so many other things where um women are just not included in the data whether that's like health uh healthcare solutions for example they like tested like this heart medicine and like heart uh devices for like people post-op only on men and yeah. then found when they did the data set in women, it was skewed completely the other way to the point where like all of the measurements in the medicine had to be redesigned and the devices to go into people's hearts had to be redesigned. There's so right. many examples of where basically in a world designed by men and run by men who only talk to other men, mm. they end up creating a this will work solution, which only works for men. And another really great example of that is like anytime you go to a gig or a club and you go to the bathroom, even the mm. airport, there's always a very long line for the women's and a shorter line for men. That's because most buildings today, the way they're designed, still assume that an equal amount of space should be used for men and women. And then doesn't take into the fact, doesn't take into account the fact that we use the bathrooms differently. Like women get periods, we need to change our pads or our tampons or our menstrual cups or whatever. Women are also more likely to be doing childcare. So sometimes you need to go in there with your kids and help them go to the mm. bathroom before you go to the bathroom. So it's just really, really interesting. And I think now that we see a lot of racial bias in AI, we're going to understand that we actually have an even bigger race gap in data 
then, you know, this gender gap that's been highlighted by that book. Yeah. Whenever I do my talks, which are like, I call them like, Hey kids, if you want to grow up and be like me, listen to me talks, right? They, <laughs> I'll always use the example of, I mean, essentially what it is, right? When you're talking to like young people about tech, right? I always use the example of, um, the friend of the, of, of my website, uh, Jackie, he basically was the person that discovered that when he uploaded his photos of his black friends onto Google photos, it was tagging them as gorillas essentially. So we, we're scaling up our discrimination and we're scaling up our biases. We're scaling racism. We are entrenching it because we're calling these systems objective. And that's the thing. You can imagine in the future where it's like, well, it's the algorithm. You got the client for the mortgage. It's the algorithm. Mm. Sorry, you can't help it. Um, And not probably realizing that the algorithm is taking into account that, you know, these areas shouldn't be, are much more high risk and they might be higher likely to be black areas or, do you know what I'm saying? Like, and um, it's a scary future we're in for. And I think that's, you know, one of the fundamental arguments why both of us would always be like to people, yo, we need more people like us in tech and we'd always encourage more people to get into tech because actually this 1% of the population will affect the 99%, you know what I'm saying, in a disproportionate way. Um, but yeah, depressing. Racist algos, down with you. Racist algos, keep them coming. If you've seen a racist <laughs> algo, heard about one, read about one, use hashtag techish, let us know. Oh, I'm so sad. It's the end of another show. End of the road. I'm going to miss you guys. <laughs> Until next and week. girls <laughs> and non-binaries. Yes. Um, don't forget to use hashtag techish to join the discussion. And if there are any tickets left, have a look in the show notes for Techish. Hopefully, it might be sold out by the time this episode's Techish out. Techish live! But have You're going to hear the debut of our Techish duet. Techish in the flesh. Let's go. <laughs> All right, cool. See you next week. Bye.